Happy Tuesday, everyone. Um, that was fun. <laughs> I I know I'm always telling you to rate and subscribe. Uh, so, you know, for this ramble, I'm just going to focus on the rate. Why don't you just go make my day right now? And to do so will require 16 to 25 seconds of your time. Go into the podcast app. Go to the Making the Brand with Billy Draper podcast. Uh, rate it what you feel is fair. Uh, <coughs> five star, <coughs> five stars. And um, that would just mean an incredible amount to me, truly. Um, in any case, whatever you decide to do, thank you for listening. I appreciate you all and have a great episode and a great Tuesday to you. Um, I don't really have much else to say other than enjoy it and rate, just rate. It's very easy to do work that feels like it's moving the ball down the field, but that really isn't. So, look, it's fine doing a lot of research into the industry. You should certainly do that. Um, but ultimately, uh, rather than sort of making PowerPoint decks or something, like you should try to build as much of the business as you can on the cheap. Welcome everybody to the Making the Brand podcast. My name is Billy Draper. I work in early stage venture capital. And on this show, we're gonna be talking about brands. We'll talk to founders and leaders of growing consumer companies that are finding ways to stand out, differentiate, and delight their customers. On today's show, we have Jesse Horowitz and Ben Kogan, co-founders and co-CEOs of Hubble Contacts. They teach us about getting started and differentiating in a competitive industry. So today on the show, we have two fantastic guests, uh, the co-founders and co-CEOs of Hubble Contacts, uh, Ben Kogan and Jesse Horowitz. Ben and Jesse, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having us. So to Thanks. start, absolutely. To start off, um, the first question I always like to ask is, what is Hubble? Sure. Um, Hubble is a relatively straightforward business. We are a direct-to-consumer daily disposable contact lens subscription. So um, keeping you well-stocked with affordable lenses, uh, you know, 30-day supply, one month at a time. And how did you two get into the contact business? What, what did you guys do before? What was your sort of, uh, you know, story that landed you here? Sure, happy to talk through it. So, yeah, um, this is Ben. I used to be at uh, Harry's, which is a men's shaving company, um, I worked there for a couple of years in their customer insights group. Uh, big fan of the company. Um, also co-founded by one of the Warby Parker co-founders, actually. Um, I've always been a contact lens wearer and, uh, you know, always felt that my contact lenses were too expensive. Uh, eventually, when I was buying contact lenses online in the summer of 2015, they spiked in price, particularly that one order for whatever reason. Um, and eventually the gears started turning and I realized the Harry's sort of Dollar Shave Club subscription direct to consumer e-commerce model could potentially be applied to this space that I personally was sort of having having issues in. I knew as a customer that I'd want, you know, this product and so figured others might want it too. And how did you two link up? Sure. Um, ben and I met years ago. We were working together at Bridgewater Associates. Um, I stayed there, uh, Ben headed off to BCG, and then coincidentally, we were living across the street from each other on the Upper West Side 
um, you know, I always like kicking ideas back and forth with friends. And so that's, you know, kind of where I came in. And Ben, you mentioned you are a contact where, how's your prescription? Uh, actually, Jesse and I are both kind of different workers. Um, I have a sort of actually almost exactly average prescription. I'm minus three and minus 3.25. So uh, not too severe, but uh, not too mild. Just severe. right. Exactly. If, if you're Goldilocks, not going to be 2020. Uh, I'm minus four, not to brag. Oh, wow. That's minus two, minus one, seven, five. Ah, uh, the uneven eyes. That's always tough. Um, okay. ha- and how did you guys so what year was this what year did you guys link up and say how did how did that conversation happen uh it wasn't really sort of like a formal conversation it sort of just i just started talking to friends um, because i was excited about the idea uh and then of all the friends i talked to jesse was the only one who you know not only was excited about himself but just decided to start working on it with me um and you know we you know eventually it was just like He's working on it um, with me, and so obviously we're doing it together. Uh, and we actually never really had a formal conversation, about it, right? Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's right. Yeah, you just sort of landed in it. You're all of a sudden you're working together and and whatever, raising money, making products and stuff. What do you uh, and and was this 20, 2014, 2015? This was late twenty fifteen, early twenty sixteen. You know, it was a lot. It was sort of a lot of it was kind of a research project up front, just you know, going through all the available contract manufacturers running some um, marketing tests, um, you know, kind of fully diligencing it nights and weekends so that we could bring the idea to investors and see if anyone would bite. And at what point did you decide to leave your jobs or had you already left? No, no. Well, once we had a seed raise, that, that was kind of the go, no go we set for ourselves in terms of doing this full time. Does that end up being a chicken or egg thing? Because aren't the seed investors like, hey, if you're not taking this on full time, we don't want to invest. But then you don't want to start until you take the money. We, we made it clear to them that if we did raise a seed, that we would do it full time. And so I think that's how we were able to square the circle there. It's definitely the case that they wanted to see us sort of go all in and, and we were able to. We just we, you know, we were doing it nights and weekends before that. And how did you come up with the name Hubble? Um, long story, but, uh, you know, my, um, my girlfriend actually, uh, long time girlfriend is an astrophysicist. Um, and so we were com- trying to come up with names, uh, and, um, you know, she works uh, on the Hubble space telescope a lot. It's actually my dad who, you know, or, you know startups at the beginning, uh, can very much be like a family, I guess, and friends of their, um, so we're just trying to sort of brainstorm names and came up with hundreds of, he came up with hundreds of, of names and one of them was Hubble. Um, and probably because of, uh, you know, because of, I, I kept hearing about the Hubble space telescope, um, for the last several years, which, which, you know, my girlfriend works on, uh, it, it seemed like a great name. Um, and, and where are you having success? So, okay. So you get it, you get it started. Um, how did you find the money? Um, you know, at first we were go we weren't even going out um, to seed investors. We were just you know applying to accelerators because that seemed like uh, sorry that seemed like the the fastest lightest way to start um, testing stuff. And you know we were getting interviews with every um, seed invest accelerator that we were applying to, and so we figured that was a solid enough indication that it was worth 
reaching out to friends who were investors um, and, you know, and, and it wouldn't be completely embarrassing to ask them for feedback. Um, I, you know, Ben had some friends from college who were on the, on the VC side. I at that point I was on the investment team for Columbia universities and endowment. So I knew a bunch of investors. And so, you know, we were lucky to have a reasonably sized pool of people who we could go to, to kick the idea around. And, you know, every time we had a conversation that went well, we kind of just upped the ask for the next guy. And how much did you raise in your seed round? Uh, three and a half million dollars. Oh, that's great. I mean, good for you. I mean, you've come a long way since then, but that's a pretty strong start. We, we were surprised. I mean, I think we went out in the first deck. Well, you know, at first we were looking for whatever, you, you know, you get from an accelerator, 100K or something. But in our first uh, deck, we went out for like 500 or something. And then every time somebody seemed interested, just we kept revising that in the presentation upwards, uh, draft by draft. And we also realized over time, as we started talking to more people about the idea that unlike an app or, or something, I mean, this is a, a physical product and a prescription medical device. So there was a ton of work we needed to do on the regulatory side uh, you know, to make sure that all of our ducks were in a row there. A ton of work we needed to do um, on the brand development side, phys both physical and digital uh, brand work. Uh, we wanted to buy inventory, and then we wanted to have enough dollars to actually come out of the gate strong and, and see if the idea really had traction and, uh, you know, having, having more capital as you do. And on the regulatory side, what are contacts considered? Is it, what did you have to go through? What are the sort of concerns uh, in selling it, contacts? Yeah, sure. It, it's a class two medical device. I mean, this, you know, this is why when we were sourcing uh, potential suppliers, we just started with the FDA's database, you know, of already approved, um, Players and you know, so we were lucky there in that we could, you know, um, you know, piggyback off of the work of our supplier who had you know de decades of approval, uh, you know, decades of experience with regulatory approvals worldwide. Had you know, long history of post approval in the U.S. Um, and you know, kind of really lean on their expertise there and the you know exclusive relationship we built with them. And has, I mean, was there any resistance uh, sort of getting started and to change? I mean, there are a lot of incumbents. There are a lot of co companies that sort of make contact lenses in different ways. There's the, you know, the two week, the one month, the the dailies. Um, have have all of those big companies, I imagine they weren't super happy with you entering the market and making it a little easier. Um, yeah. It you know, nothing, nothing, you know, nothing too bad. I think like, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, that's like, you know, the two biggest cliches of these direct consumer brands are, I was a consumer having a pain point and, you know, and, and so I went out to solve it and like the big evil incumbents coming after you, um, you know, like we've had interactions with the different, the different companies, but I actually don't think anything, you know, too awful and, you know, certainly all respectful. And how are you, where are you having success finding customers? Uh, in terms of, well, I, I guess I can talk, talk to that in two ways. Uh, geographically, uh, we're now in a lot of different countries. We're in the U.S., Canada, um, several countries in the EU, which we've launched in the last six months. Uh, and you know, we're, 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 our bread and butter is definitely the U.S. We launched here first and uh, probably having the most success here, but also definitely having success in some of these other newer markets. And then on, in terms of channels, um, we tested a ton of different marketing channels, everything from the beginning of, of the business, especially relying on 
PR and word of mouth to, to get the, you know get get our brand name out there. But now rely on a lot of the marketing channels uh, that you you might expect, like uh, like Facebook, Instagram, TV, and a ton of different other ones. Have you have you gone through the doctors at all? I I imagine that's where I think that's where I was recommended contacts initially. How does that? Is there some yeah, special I'm, world you have to be in? I'm, I'm, look at the you know the relationship between the eye care professional and you know and the consumer, the patient is at the heart of you know at the heart of the category. And I, I think our goal is to open up a you know open up a conversation between the eye care professional um, and the consumer about sort of you know. Uh, more convenient options that are in line with the actual budgets of consumers. You know, uh, one of our, one of the investors in our seed round, and actually this is how we chose the group we ultimately went with, um, is Dr. Brian Levy, the former chief medical officer of Bausch and Loam. And when we were choosing, you know, what modality to go with, it was Brian who drilled home. Um, all the health complications in the contact lens space are from overwearing lenses. And that the two reasons consumers overwear lenses is because they run out. And because the affordability, and so you know, everybody's interests in, are aligned around health here, um, and just you know, getting the consumer an affordable, convenient experience, um, you know, so that they're going to be as healthy and responsible as possible. Do you know? Do you know why prescriptions just last a year? Like, why do I have to? You know, my eyes don't typically change from year to year, but I still have to go back in and and get a new prescription. Is that? This is just yeah. curiosity. Do you, why is that? It, it actually, it actually, in some states, it's two years. Um, so it depends on the state. Uh, oh, okay. I, I think, yeah, yeah. Um, I think the idea there, though, is you know, contact lenses are uh, a medical device that you're putting on your eye, and so you want to make sure that um, they're worn safely and they're worn as directed. And uh, you know, the regulations vary country by country and state by state, but um, there's definitely value in getting your eyes checked and making sure that the contacts you have are working. So you, you got out of the gates pretty well two or three years ago, and it seems like things just sort of started working. Were there any challenges you faced early on? It sounds like not on the fundraising side, but what, were there any you know real difficult times yeah. that you guys faced together or times you thought about yeah. like, oh, maybe we, maybe we underestimated the work this would take? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think, you know, I think certainly I was a bit arrogant about that, which is, you know, I thought, okay, if, if, if I won't speak for Ben here. Um, you know, if we built out a large organization and we're, you know, well capitalized ahead of launch, that we could um, relieve, you know, protect ourselves against a lot of the um, pain points of scaling. But, um, you know, no matter how long we had to plan um, and we had a bunch of month time there where we were sitting on our hands, you know, waiting for the site to get done, waiting for um, inventory to come in, we weren't ready for it. And, you know, just keeping up with keeping up with customers is a lot of work, um, keeping, you know, keeping up with customer service tickets, keeping up with comments on Facebook. I, I think that's, you know, um, I think that's all the stuff we underestimate it, which is, it, you know, it's, it's the direct part of direct to consumer. You, you have a responsibility, you're dealing with all these people one-on-one. -on -one. And so I, you know, there was a lot of, we'll go back to startup cliches. There was a lot of, you know, long late nights, the first, you know, the first few months, everybody pitching in, um, you know, to get back to every customer in a, you know, in a speedy time frame. 
um, and get all their, you know, asking questions answered. And that, you know, that's something we got scaled up properly over time. But I think that's the biggest thing we underestimated. And how do you measure customer delight or customer success now? What are the what are the things that you think about? I think there are a few things we, we think about. Um, so first, we have a you know subscription service, as you know, uh, and, and generally people who enjoy the service, you know, and and, and finding value in, in the in the product and the experience will stick with us. So certainly, you know, the percentage of people who are, are sticking with us with with us each month is, is a really important metric that we track. Um, also track other things like you that you expect, like NPS scores, uh, customers to make sure that they're you know, they're excited about recommending us to friends, and then certainly customer satisfaction scores on. Um, on customer service tickets or, or things like that. And I think one, you know, one of the ones we focused a lot on from the outset and one I'm really proud of is turnaround times, is really making sure that we're getting to the bulk of tickets within 15 minutes and you know, well over 90% within an hour. Um, that's People like email tickets now. Um, you know, email ticket, email's a more comfortable form of um, communication for a lot of people, but it, you know, it's easy to just let your tickets, you know, gather like crap in an attic or something. Um, and we didn't want to do that. We wanted to get back to pe- make sure we were always getting back to people in a fast, um, respectful timeline. And how big is the company now? Um, it, 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 uh, it depends how you think about it. Oh, um, pe- yeah. uh, pe- in terms of people, you don't have to share what it's worth. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. We have about 150 people now globally um, uh, across customer service uh, and all their parts of the business. And how, and you two are based in New York, right? Yeah, that's right. And how many are in New York? Um, it's about 25 or so in New York. You know, that's another thing. Um, you know, that's another thing we've really worked hard on and are proud of is like, um, we're supposed to be a lean and nimble startup. Let's actually be a lean and nimble startup. Um, and, you know, keep head, you know, keep head count down, make sure that dollars are going to the things that drive the business forward, you know, which is, you know, primarily, you know, marketing and investment in, uh, in the light, you know, in the lifetime value and satisfaction of the customer. Um, and so that's, that sort of lean organization has been the primary focus for us. The bulk of our team, uh, you know, is actually customer service agents for the various countries we're in. We have German speaking customer service agents, Germany, French-speaking ones in France, Spain, people in the Philippines for English-speaking countries, uh, some in the UK. Um, that ends up being uh, a really big portion of the team. And have you taken on, as leaders, have you taken on any of the sort of Bridgewater methodology, the radical transparency or anything like that? Um, I'm not sure how much of that Bridgewater had, um, but, you know, <laughs> but, you know um, I think... Um, I, I, I think we aim to have, you know, we aim to have a really high transparency organization. We want, um, you know, we want everybody to basically be seeing the same, the same data with the, you know, with the same cadence that we are, um, you know, cause this is a pretty simple business at the end of the day. Um, our goal is to acquire customers as efficiently as possible and, you know, to drive as much lifetime value as possible. And, um, you know, ideas for how to do that, you know, can, you know, can come from anywhere, in the companies of everybody has a, you know, has a strong sense of the progression of that and where things are going, um, you know, gives them the transparency to actually have impactful ideas. How do you like New York as a startup city? 
It's a good question. Um, it's actually, I think, really growing as a startup city, uh, especially for direct-to-consumer e-commerce. Um, there's a ton of other companies here that do something similar to what we're doing uh, in different categories, and it's a pretty good scene. You know, you, you share, you're not competing with each other, you're, you're brothers in arms, and so you share information, um, you know, tips and tricks on marketing, on, on various things that are that are working, um, and sort of you're there for each other, I guess, a bit when, when times are tough. So, um, especially for the e-commerce scene, the New York uh, New York startup scene is is uh, is really great. I think you might be asking the wrong team for that, though. Ben's never lived anywhere other than New York, and I grew up in Westchester. So, um, <laughs> no, no matter how rough it was here, um, you know we'd be going down with the ship. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's a great place. I, I don't blame you. Um, and, and what do you, what do you want Hubble to look like in the next five or 10 years? What are you, what does this turn into? I think that's really, it's really hard to predict. I mean, even a year or two ago where we are today in terms of our geographic expansion, I think would have been very difficult to predict. Um, look, I think at, at the core the idea of the company is providing a high quality, vision service at affordable cost. And so that's always going to be core to the core to our DNA. And we want that to scale no matter what we do. But uh, we have a few uh, growth initiatives in the hopper that we're going to try try out and hopefully some of them work. Um, and if they do, we'll, we'll sort of double down on those. So it's, it's hard to predict, I guess, in advance which of those will work. But the core philosophy of, of a high quality product at affordable cost is always what we're going to be trying to do. How many years out are we from having our entire lives on a contact lens? <laughs> like um, a Black Mirror episode or something? Um, it, it, yeah. You know, Hubble, Hubble is at the cutting edge of that work. Um, and, you know, we should have a product to market there within the next six months or so. Perfect. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm very excited about that. Um, our, 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 our team of AI... Uh, a, AI engineers and data scientists are grinding away right now. We just need to add dot uh, coin to our day. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, I'm waiting for the day where I can sort of, you look at someone and you get just a little information, facial recognition. It doesn't need to be all of our lives. It can be, you know, just start with a few nice features that make it easier to live day-to-day life and then go from yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's... It sounds like what, you know, possibly first applications, there will be things like um, insulin, yeah. pro- probably sugar testing is, you know, is, is oh, the best right. one. Because you can get sugar reads the same as you can off of, um, you know, off of a blood test without the invasiveness and with sort of around the clock monitoring. So, you know, not not that I know the space that well, but it sounds like maybe that's first step down the pipeline and certainly a, uh, a good thing to roll out. Yeah, but who knows? Ten years from now, maybe we'll be like the Google Glass and got yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, don't rule it out. The uh, what's uh, and what's some advice you would have for an entrepreneur thinking about starting a business today? Um, don't quit your day job. I, I, I think um, <laughs> I, I think we're no. I mean, look, that's that's what we did. Like it was it was crappy. It's it's not fun really grinding on something while you're you know have a full time job. But I think like lots of lots of the parts of, you know, lots of parts of founding something aren't fun. And so, if you, A, if you don't have the wherewithal to make it through a few months of that, um, you won't love the rest. And, you know, and B, like, um, yeah, I, I, I could start walking through all the things that I've been involved in that went absolutely nowhere. Um, and so it gives you a lot of flexibility. You can work multiple ideas at once. And then if one of them gets traction, go do that one. And for the graveyard of others, 
um, you still have a job giving you a paycheck to, you know, keep your cover your living expenses while you go play with more ideas. And Ben. Oh, um, other side. Yeah, I, I almost completely agree with that. Um, I think uh, there there are ways to try multiple things uh, at the same time, and I and I and I think you should certainly do that. I also think another uh, you know another thing that I talk about when I you know, get this question occasionally from from people interested in doing startups, it's very easy to do work that feels like it's moving the ball down the field, but that really isn't. So. Look, it's fine doing a lot of research into the industry. You should certainly do that. Um, but ultimately, uh, rather than sort of making PowerPoint decks or something, like you should try to build as much of the business as you can on the cheap uh, and, and and prove out as many of the things you would need uh, if, I, if you were an investor to see if the business would work. And the more you can do there, the, I think the better you'll be informed about whether it's a good idea in the first place and the more impressive you'll look to people potentially willing to fund the business um, that you know what the right steps are. And, you know, and don't be afraid to put your ideas out there. I mean, you know, you, you coming on the investment side might have your own perspective on this. It feels like a lot of the time, um, you know, investors and VCs have a decent sense of what they're looking for. And so you can say, you know, you, you can't come to somebody with like something you scribbled on a napkin the night before you want to be respectful. But once you have, you know, a decent body of, of work together, going to folks for feedback early so that if everybody's going to tell you um, that's an unfundable idea, you can figure it out uh, before you've overinvested a crazy amount of time, um, you know, is good. And one, th- one thing we did, which is a nice way to give people an easy way to reject you is, you know, instead of saying, um, you know, instead of saying, do you want to invest in this? Just, um, you know, what do you think of this? And, you know, is this something worth putting more time into? And, you know, if, a beast, if an investor gets excited about that, you know, they can give, you know, they can say they're interested in digging in more. And if not, they can just treat it as a theoretical exercise and say, you know, spend more time on it on not or not without having to offend you with a no. Yeah, I agree. I think this is this is among the most practical advice that has been given on the podcast. It's usually like chase your dreams or what I, <laughs> this is. This is uh, incredibly helpful. Uh, so thank you You're both. First. <laughs> I guess it's just hard to know what your dream. Maybe, maybe this is like sort of. Uh, maybe this is wrong, but look, I think a lot of people, you know, when they're when they're young, have a very good sense of what they want to do. But a lot of people don't. They, you know, they graduate from school and they're in, or they're in a job and they have a lot of different interests. And trying different things and playing around with them sort of allows you, I guess, I'll put it this way, to figure out what your dream is, um, and then you can go from there. And look, if we all followed our dreams, the world would have a lot more astronauts and firemen. So, <laughs> how do you? Uh, that's true. That wouldn't be a, such a bad place. How, how do you? How do you two manage having two CEOs? Um, it's pretty. It's pretty. I mean, Jesse and I were friends for a long time, and so a lot of trust between us. It's built up over over a long time. Actually, now having worked together for several years, and I think we just manage different parts of the business and. Um, but ultimately, I think we're so similar in terms of how we do various things that 99% of the time when one of us does something, the other one you know, made the same call or made the same decision. And so we sort of just split things as they come and it, it works out. And I think, you know, one of the, it's funny, I mean, we didn't do like a big like division of the world or to the extent we did, it wasn't accurate at all. But, um, you know, I think one thing that's been helpful is like, you know, we've generally held to the principle 
you don't get to have an opinion on something unless you want to do the work on it. And so it's, it's, it's an easy way to suss out which of us feels more strongly on something. Um, it's rare that there's, that there's a thread where we're both itching to do the work on it. And, um, you know, and so it generally takes the day if you're going to, if you're willing to really dig in and do a full lift on something, um, you know, generally your opinion carries the day. So, now I have some fun ones. Um, if you could choose, and I guess each of you should answer these separately. If you could choose anyone in the world to represent Hubble, who would it be and why? You have like 30 seconds Super Bowl ad. Who do you want in it? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 definitely one of like, we, we couldn't afford a good Kardashian, <laughs> but like Rob. I, 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 <laughs> That's the first Rob Kardashian reference. We're we're, real, we're realistic. We can't we can't afford Kylie, but you know, but maybe maybe in a dream world we could get Rob. No, but in no. this no no in this world you can afford anyone. I, I I can only think I can only dream so big as to get Rob. Okay. <laughs> Look, our customer base is generally young women. You know, we could find someone who speaks to that audience. That'd be great. Okay, so you're in agreement on Rob. Yeah, I'm going with Kylie. Okay. Ben's more ambitious than I am. The outer limit is my ambition. What is uh, something on each of your bucket lists? If you don't have a bucket list, what is something that each of you would like to do? In life, not necessarily in business. I like tennis with Roger Federer. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be good. Or Kyle. <laughs> or Rob. Um, I, I really love to travel. Uh, and I try to, I, I'm able to do that sometimes. It's been harder the last uh, couple of years, unfortunately. But um, continuing to see uh, more parts of the, I mean, this is a cliche answer, I guess, but more, more parts of the world, um, especially especially Asia that I haven't been to, would be uh, on my bucket list. Is there any specific city in Asia? I've actually surprisingly never been to China. Um, I've been to India, I've been to Southeast Asia, I've been to Taiwan a lot, uh, but never China. So a lot to see there. Yeah, that's, I would highly recommend that one. Um, if you weren't running Hubble, what would you be doing, each of you? So uh, I actually almost, before uh, I, I decided to, to, to have a career in business, um, I, I studied philosophy uh, in, in undergrad. Um, and I love philosophy, actually. Um, very different from what I'm doing now, but I think there is a world, uh, if I were somewhat better at it, I'm not, unfortunately not quite good enough that, uh, I would have just loved to be sort of like a philosophy professor or something like that. Like writer or professor or how, how do you, how, what does being a philosopher entail? I think, uh, professor, um, which, you know, you write papers and you teach classes. I would, I would love to. Um, at this point, I'd probably be doing another e-commerce startup. I mean, I, I, you know, in, in college, that, that was one degree away from a film major, and I was very much of the mindset, you know, do what you love. And then I kind of came, after college, I came around fully to the other side, which is that, like, the actual day-to-day work doesn't vary that much anywhere. And so you might as well do the thing that other people are interested in doing. Um, and so, you know, at this point coming up on e-commerce startup, um, uh, you know, the easiest and best thing to do would probably just be another. 
Well, I hugely appreciate both of you coming on. Um, do you have anything else to plug? Where can people find you? Uh, obviously, HubbleContacts.com for anyone who needs great contact lenses at a, an affordable price. It, where else can they find you on the internet? Um, that's basically it today. Um, you know, pretty keeping it pretty simple with, with just HubbleContacts.com. So, yeah, uh, I, think, I think you just did our plug for us. Okay. All right. Great. Well, have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend. And, uh, and thank you. I mean, thank you both so much for coming on. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening um, to if you haven't already, please rate and subscribe to the podcast on whatever podcast app you choose. Uh, and check out all the episodes on makingthebrand.co uh, to hear some interviews that we have done in the past. And I will continue to update them in the future. Thank you so much. Uh, Thanks again, season two. We are off to the races. Love you all.